let me ask you a question. Why the hell do people keep getting married? You know what I mean? Isn't anybody looking at the stats? What's it like, three out of four marriages go right down the drain now? People, if you were going skydiving and they told you three out of four parachutes weren't gonna open, you'd be like, yo, forget it, I'm not going. Human beings were not meant to sit in little cubicles staring at computer screens all day, filling out useless forms and listening to eight different bosses drone on about mission statements. Robert Frost said, two roads diverged in the wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you, you can't do it. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. This is Breaking Norms, a podcast dedicated to topics like following your dreams at all costs and the pitfalls of societal norms. And now, discussing everything from online dating to the horror of having a real job. Here are your hosts, Noah Groniger and Clint Schweitzer. Welcome back to the Breaking Norms podcast. Clint Schweitzer and Noah Groniger. It feels so great to be back with you. We apologize for taking a couple weeks off. We're not being lazy. No, no, no. Just the fact that we are in post-production on a documentary and uh, do several other podcasts has kind of gotten in the way a little bit. No, we've been on the road traveling. We're going to be doing it again. This has been a crazy summer, believe it or not, whereas most people have had their summer adventures limited. For us, just like we always do, breaking the norms, we have been out there uh, getting a lot of stuff done. So it's been exciting, but we've neglected our Breaking Norms audience. We are back to sort of cleanse their palate, so to speak. We absolutely are. Like you said, we've been out uh, getting some interviews for our documentaries going down, uh, whether it's to Shreveport, Louisiana, Springdale, Arkansas. We've got a trip coming up to Knoxville, Tennessee. So uh, we're continuing that. And that's why we take a little hiatus here from the Breaking Norse podcast. But uh, we're going to do something a little bit different here. Instead of breaking norms, we're going to talk about a norm that we follow. And that is we are law-abiding citizens, and we have to be because the thought of going to jail or prison, the big house, whatever you want to call it, is too much for us to handle. We cannot be in that position ever, so that is a norm that we must follow and we do follow. Yeah, what a special show we have for you today. It's called Following the Norm. We are law-abiding citizens. That is something that uh, we both have agreed on forever, and I tell you this for me, goes back to the time of being a youth. I was never really into peer pressure or like deviant behavior. It never never seemed like a good idea to me. I mean, my mom was a teacher in the small town I grew up in. My grandparents and, you know, my family were all churchgoers. I just never really felt like even, not that I was trying to stay true to God or try to to be some like an example of of a Christian or anything like that. I just had no interest in trouble and a deviant behavior. I think that especially when you grow up in small towns, and I think you see it now more than ever, kids are engaging in deviant behavior younger and younger. Kids are smoking or drinking, doing drugs. I didn't ever even saw or heard anything about drugs till like my senior year of high school. I was at a party and I could not believe someone there had pot. I was in shock. So growing up in a small town, I, it never really occurred to me that I wanted to be out there causing trouble. It just is, this was instilled in me from the time I was very young. I'm assuming the same for you. 
Absolutely. I was a good kid in school. I got a few demerits and uh, I was horrified and just like, how am I going to explain this to my mother? Oh God, like, what have I, what have I done? I'm a horrible kid. And uh, just sometimes kids were like putting rocks inside mud balls and throwing them at cars. And I'm just like, I cannot have any part of this. I see cops. I see jail. I, I'm, I hear my mother calling for dinner. I'm out of here. And uh, I remember one time I was at a sleepover uh, with a couple of friends of mine and they went to go TP our sixth grade teacher's house and I just kind of went along, was dragged along, and they're teeping the house and all the trees, and, and I have full rolls of toilet paper, and I'm stuffing them in bushes, like, I'm done, look, I've, I've, I'm out of toilet paper, time to go, right? The husband woke up and was chasing us all throughout the neighborhood, and I was like, see, this, I can't do this, anxiety, I'm going to get caught, I'm going to go to jail, and so yeah, I've wanted no part of that at any time, and I feel like other people as traumatic as it would be for them, they could somehow like acclimate and accept that this is their life now and just do the time where I can do one night in prison. I'd be horrified. I'd be panicked. I'd be looking for a way out, <laughs> whether that's whatever it may be, looking for a way out of that situation because I cannot handle it. Like Andy Dufresne, basically, you're, you're Andy Dufresne trying to... <laughs> trying to tunnel my way out, yes. Well, I, I know what you mean. I do, and I felt like that whenever just recently watching the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix, which was, uh, you know, about him and he committed these murders and he goes to prison and he was living in a mansion in like a 15,000 foot square home mansion. And they, they talked about how unbelievably simple it was for him to transition into a five by seven, whatever it is, cell. And then how he was talking about how it was nice and neat and kept and he had it cleaned up. And I was just, it boggled my mind because the idea of jail, because you're, you and I are both people that we celebrate our freedoms. We love to travel. We love to be out there in the world. We love to do what we do. We love to do interviews and, uh, you know, be at sporting events back when it could happen and concerts. And to me, the idea of the loss of freedom, which is what prison represents, is the last thing I would ever want to be a part of on this earth. So, yeah, I, I kind of eggshell my way through life. Not that it's hard. Like to me, it's not hard to be a law-abiding citizen. It's really not. It's really not that hard. Like people are always just like, well, it finally happened. I had to do my time in the slammer. Like that's never happening to me, okay? I mean, yeah, we've all spent, had a few speeding tickets. It happens. Things like that happen. Pedestrian things happen. I'm not perfect. I've done things. I've uh, A couple friends and I one time went and knocked on someone's door and ran off. We also used to do prank calls. We used to call people and tell people on random phone numbers that they'd won a radio contest for Marilyn Manson tickets, to be exact. Harmless fun, yeah, but you know what? It was never going to really go in there. I never was in trouble at school. I do remember an incident once in fifth grade where a bunch of guys were throwing snowballs at cars, and I did go out there and partook in that, and I threw one snowball that went into the street. It did not hit a car, and I was uh, swatted. Uh, our school still did capital punishment back then in, in the small town, so... I was spanked, and that was the last time I ever fractured any semblance of a law. Absolutely, and I've uh, created this top 10 list, my uh, a la David Letterman, uh, going back to his top 10 list. I remember loving those back in the day, and now I've created my own here, this top 10 list, top 10 reasons I cannot ever go to prison, and uh, I'm just going to go through here. I'm going to say number 10, read it out, and uh, give a little spiel, and then Clint, you can comment on that as well. Number 10 is... People's escapes in prison are pumping iron or reading. 
that's kind of their escape, what they go to, to kind of get out of their head and, and the monotonous and the everyday routine of prison. They pump iron or they read. Two huge dislikes of mine. I don't mind like walks and stuff, but uh, not just around this little square yard. Like I like going out by a lake or something and walking and walking around a neighborhood, taking in some sights but not just strictly pumping iron and taking, lifting big weights or just sitting down reading books. Two huge dislikes of mine. Yeah, that, uh, that, that, the fact that that is an escape, I mean, you got um, get time where you can go play basketball. I'm sure there's times where with good behavior, you can be allowed to do some things. I know, you know, the, um, I know someone that uh, is in prison and uh, they're, they're there for 20 years. I mean, they only have probably seven, eight years of it left. But the, they've been able to go out and be in softball leagues and things like that. So with good behavior and like doing the right things and getting into the right programs, there's ways to do it. But uh, yeah, I always see in movies like they're coming around with like a, the book cart and they're just like what passing books through the, through the cell and it's like War and Peace or Of Mice and Men. And I'm like, man, I don't know if you have, you know, like a Guinness book of sports records or something in there. Like I, I, other than that, yeah, out on that. Yeah, and my number nine is no pets or TV. That's Netflix, DVDs, Sunday annual ticket. I know, like, if you're able to get a small TV and watch something here or there, uh, but just no freedom of TV, no streaming services. I have a dog, so that's a big one for me. No more pets, uh, but definitely no Netflix, uh, no Sunday NFL ticket. I love sitting back, watching all the games, and just relaxing. And, and so that's a big one for me. That's my number nine. I've never had a pet. My family doesn't believe in pets. So I guess I could do it. Yeah, you could do that part, but the no TV, that'd be killer. No Twilight Zone. Wow, good example. Um, that's true. <laughs> I mean, just ask my mom. I am a lifetime TV head. She used to call me that. She used to come running down and say, okay, I want all TVs off. And she called me a TV head because all I wanted to do was watch movies and uh, TV even during the summertime and growing up. So yeah, that'd be a tough one. I'm sure you could work your way up to getting to watch like a 12-inch black and white TV, maybe get some uh, NFL games on Sundays if you're lucky. But um, yeah, uh, no TV, no go. Yeah, I cannot handle that. My number eight is no fan, or I use also use a YouTube noise of an old humidifier that I had uh, growing up uh, as a way to help me sleep. I would be up all night, every night, until I finally just get so tired I physically pass out. I have to have some sort of noise to help me sleep and not uh, people screaming obscenities or fresh fish or uh, yelling for help. Help! Get me out of here! Oh, I don't belong here! We have a winner! Oh, I want to go home! Where's fish? Or no, that would be you. This, that would be me. Someone in <laughs> the cell next to me, like, I'm getting you tomorrow, Sonny. Like, oh. <laughs> well, I think that's on the list. That what you're describing now is on the list probably later on, I'm guessing. So it is, yes. roll, let's keep, keep it moving. What, what's next? Number seven, bad food. I'm a picky eater. I can't eat the mm. slop that they serve me. Maybe some mashed potatoes or bread, possibly, but uh, just uh, some horrible, just fatty steaks or something or meat with strings of fat all over it like i can't eat the slop that they serve and i see and just a whole a bunch of vegetables just peas being slopped brussels sprouts being slopped on the tray i can't eat that i can't have any part of that 
Uh, when you mentioned that, it reminds me of The Simpsons where they're at summer camp and they're being fed gruel and that kid <laughs> goes, oh, precious gruel. Oh, sweet, nourishing gruel. Oh. Um, yeah, I, and then like in movies, again, uh, my, my entire really knowledge of the prison system is based on films. So there's oh, that. Yes. Always having people stealing your rolls and your brownie or whatever the heck it's even made out of. Obviously, they keep prison food very bland on purpose. You're not supposed to enjoy food while you're in there. It's sort of the point. So, yeah, the food would be a big one. I mean, I just wouldn't eat much and, and probably drop quite a few pounds and just try to exist, merely survive, I guess. I, I don't know. I couldn't even do that. So, we're going to have. Uh, yeah, and people would steal my food because I, they would easily and quickly realize that I am horrified by every second that I'm in this place. I can't be here. I can't have any interaction with anyone. I don't belong here. And so they're, they're just going to be able to push me around and get whatever they want, which is uh, one of the worst possible traits to have in prison. And we will get to that later. But number six is listening to authority, following prison rules. And if you don't, <laughs> just getting beaten and cavity searches. Uh, people you have in-person uh, people coming to visit you and your cavity search before you can go in and be uh, meet your mom face-to-face uh, -face and uh, have in-person visits. So I can't have any part of those. Yeah, you know, I used to work at a, as a mental health technician where a very, on a very small scale, we did uh, anytime a patient was checked in, we had to have them like put on a gown and bend over and cough. And I remember like, I'd always go run and hide when they'd be doing new admissions because I did not want to be the person in there doing that with them. It's just something about it. Very, very dehumanizing. I, I think back to like Rambo, First Blood, when they're just like hosing him down and like stripping him of his basic human rights. And I know it's all part of the deal, but like, yeah, boy, that's a tough one. And especially every time there's a visitor, I, yeah, no. Yeah, so I probably just wouldn't ever have a visitor. Like, you can't come see me. I can't go through that. No, like, just write me a letter. But number five is no privacy using the bathroom in your cell or showering. Being just lined up, everyone go out and shower, and that's where a lot of things happen. We'll get to that as well later. But uh, just the bathroom, if your stomach isn't agreeing with you and just you're in your cell and it's wide open, everyone can hear your business that's going on and can comment on it, I would be horrified. Okay, unless this is Otis in the Andy Griffith show, just sort of letting himself in and out of his cell as he deemed, you know, as he pleased, then yeah, going to be a problem. Obviously, you probably <laughs> acclimate to that. You just sort of have to do it. Uh, and I will get to the, I, I think there's a lot of people right now that are just really sitting there waiting to hear us talk about the shower situation because that's just such a cliche. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to break that norm too. And I bet you we're not going to go the places you think we're going to go with that. Well, here's number four. No sports or entertainment media and events. That's huge for us. For everything we do here for the podcast, it's stripping our freedoms, the meeting the people that we do, covering the games, going to concerts, going to sporting events, uh, being able to interview coaches uh, in press conferences, writing articles, just being able to be in this world of sports and entertainment and in the media side having and doing these podcasts, having that all stripped away and never being able to do those again, that is my number four. And that's something that might be worse than anything that I can think of. Yeah, you think about crime and I always think about there's a segment of the population that is sort of culturally or economically, whatever the case, are, are kind of born into crime. That's sort of their lot in life. And it's sad and unfortunate. 
it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's a sociological issue. But then I think about people that just like, you know, someone like Ray Carruth, a former NFL player, OJ Simpson, that are, you know, have a lot of money and have attained fame and have been a part of something bigger than themselves. How do they possibly handle prison? Not only that, but like people that commit like white collar crimes, you know, yeah, someone tax fraud, embezzlement, things like money that. Money laundering. Like, like Gordon Gecko in the Wall Street, just like, no, he's out there like uh, a multimillionaire and just living on Wall Street. And now just he's in the slammer with people that are like rapists and, you know, kidnappers. Like, so I've always had a tried to, you know, draw that line in my mind. Like, how do people deal with it that are not conditioned to deal with it? Not that someone that no one is born into society the day they're born to be a criminal it's certainly not the case but certain segments uh whether whether it be where you're from where you're born whether it be the people you hang out with the crowds you get around like it just certain people are i think more apt to wind up in that lifestyle yeah i agree with that and uh this number three one is probably more me than it is you but it mine is sweating, no air conditioning, and manual labor. Like I cannot take part in going out to some field somewhere and uh, working in a field, hoeing a field, <laughs> or uh, picking fruit or vegetables or whatever it is, or tarring a roof and just never having air conditioning. I can't be a part of that. I have to have it when I get sweaty and I'm just profusely sweating. I get anxious, I get cranky, I get frustrated, and that would be my everyday, every moment life. Come on, I'm sure they could get you a job in the mailroom and then you'd be, it'd be all good. There we go. I'll just work in the mailroom. If I could get that, if I'm not in the laundry or something like that. So number two is prison fights being shanked. And uh, I have here in my notes, oh, pick someone else. <laughs> so you're, you're saying that's what you would tell someone that's threatening you. Yeah, surely that would go for well. They'd be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, sir. I, I'll just move on here. You want me to pick somebody else? You, you have a theory, though, that if you were ever involved in something like this, you would curl up into a ball and then and maybe just plead to not go through with the, the beating. Yeah, I would plead mercy upon their wretched soul. Like, just please, no, leave me alone. Just, and I would curl up in a ball and they would shank me anyway and I'd be dead in moments. But uh, that's the only strategy I have for that. And uh, that's uh, the number two reason why I can never go to prison. Yeah, and there's like all these unwritten rules. Like you have to go in there and like join a gang or like attack someone on your first day so people don't attack you later. Join, or join up with people like, or just absolutely just become submissive to someone. I'm going to kind of leave that alone, but just submitting to someone and just saying, I'll do whatever you want. Just run errands or I don't know, like there, there's I, I, run errands. That's a good one. Well, that's a good transition, a good segue into uh, the number one reason, which is being raped. I mean, you always hear about that. You're having to submit to some guy named Bubba in prison. So that is my number one. Uh, I might just have to be out on this whole prison thing. I am out, but if I ever found myself in there, I would have to find a way out because uh, that is more than I could possibly handle. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, whenever you talk about it, whenever it comes up, I mean, in a movie or just in conversation, this is the number one thing people talk about. And I think that it, of course, it happens in prisons. It's a thing. I think that it's probably probably overblown and something that doesn't happen near as much as people think. Does it happen? Yes. The fact that it does happen is unbelievable. Um, I would rather, I mean, I'm trying to put this as kind of tastefully as possible because we are a family show here in a lot of ways, some ways, not all. Uh, actually, we're, this is more of a explicit content, so please warn your children. No, I think that um, I would 
rather go without a woman for the rest of my life than go down that road. Let's just put it that way. Can we leave it at that? Does that make sense? I'd rather just not have that experience than be with a man. Like, oh, I gotta have sex, so I'm gonna just be with a man now. That's my life, I'm with men. Like, no. Well, you've just given people 10 reasons why uh, you could never be in prison. Those 10 certainly ring true for me as well. And luckily it is something we'll never have to deal with because we follow the norm of being law-abiding citizens. We encourage you all to do the same and we encourage you all to go to our Facebook page, Breaking Norms on Facebook. Leave us some feedback and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. We got more topics coming up, guys. We're going to keep this rolling as much as humanly possible because we've had a lot of really good feedback on some of the topics we've done before. So go back and check out some of our other content if you haven't already. And we'll try to keep these shows coming fast and furious. Sound good, Noah? Sounds like a plan, my friend. Breaking norms. We're doing it except on today's show where we are following the norms.